Hi, it's Lynn Galadner, and welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm a writer and entrepreneur, and through decades of writing articles for magazines and newspapers and authoring books, I've learned that we succeed through inspiration from storytelling and deep and mutually beneficial relationships. This show began in 2018 after my father was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and I wanted a way to capture his stories and record his insights. It's grown since then to share stories of how people around the world make meaning from very ordinary pursuits. Now I focus on sharing the stories of writers, authors, and those in the world of publishing to learn how and why we create stories that help us make meaning from the mundane. I'm a former journalist and marketing entrepreneur, and I've been teaching writing for more than two decades. As a writing coach, I help authors build their brands and share their words. I've had eight books published already, and I just finished my second novel, so stay tuned for news about when and where you can read it. If you'd like to write with me, check out my offerings at lynngaladner.com, and you'll find more episodes of this podcast at makemeaning.org, as well as on every podcast platform you can think of. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to the Make Meaning Podcast, where you'll find stories of courageous people daring to share their talent with the world. Now, on to the show. Hey, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. If you've always wondered what it would be like to attend a writer's retreat, this is the year to do it. And lucky for you, I'm adding four retreats to my calendar this year. I'd love to write with you at one of them. So there are two weekend retreats here in Michigan. There's one in Nova Scotia in July, and then I'll be back on Mackinac Island in September with writingworkshops.com. If you'd like to find out more, go to lynngalodner.com and click on the retreats page. And if one of them interests you, register now because they'll fill up really quickly. I hope to write with you this year. Thanks for listening. Today's guest on the Make Meaning podcast is such an exciting one. I've been listening to Andrew McDermott's enthusiastic voice on his podcast, Simply Scottish, for some years now, and I was thrilled when he accepted my invitation to be a guest here. Andrew is a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute and serves as media relations specialist and assistant to CSC director Stephen C. Meyer. Andrew holds an MA in teaching from Seattle Pacific University and a BA in English and Creative Writing from the University of Washington. His tech column at Newsmax, called Authentic Technology, explores today's technology landscape and encourages readers to live authentically in the digital age. His writing has appeared in the New York Post, San Francisco Chronicle, Yahoo, The Herald, The American Spectator, The Federalist, and so many more publications. While all that is impressive, the reason I've invited Andrew to chat with me on the Make Meaning podcast is his passion for hosting the long-running Scottish culture and music show called Simply Scottish, which he began as a radio show with his late father many years ago. Andrew was born and raised in Scotland's capital city of Edinburgh and moved to the United States in his youth. Welcome today, Andrew, to the Make Meaning podcast. Andrew, welcome to the Make Meaning podcast. Thanks very much for having me. I'm really honored to have you here. How does it feel to be on the other side of the microphone? Yeah, it feels great. As much as I enjoy uh, hosting podcasts, I equally enjoy joining other podcasters to just do the other part of it. You know, they have a great conversation, talk about something engaging. It's a lot of fun. So I've actually been doing a lot more of that lately. Uh, You know, just doing interviews where I'm I'm communicating about uh, things I'm writing and just getting more opportunities. So I'm, I'm happy to do it. 
Awesome. We're going to touch on both your writing and your podcast. I'm really excited to to cover both. But I'd like to start about what you write about. It seems like you write a lot of varied topics from living authentically with technology um, in this digital age to education, to citizenship, of course, Scottish history and culture, but also poetry. And I know you write your podcast scripts. So tell me a little bit about when you began writing and what you like to write about the most. Yeah, writing. It's it's a great way to communicate. And and I was just thinking again, you know, how early in my life uh, was it where I got the bug, you know? Um, my family and I immigrated to America when I was 11. Mm-hmm. So I think my enjoyment uh, of writing was fostered in my classes after we, we came to America. Mm-hmm. Um, but even before that, when I was eight, uh, we were in Minnesota actually for a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won our local libraries, why I love my library card writing contest. So I know I was into good writing and, and books, even at, at uh, the early age of eight. So, mm-hmm. um, but as I, you know, as I came to America and as I was given the opportunity to write essays and, uh, you know, just reflecting on things and writing, it was a good way to process my feelings about being an immigrant, you know, being in a strange new land and, mm-hmm. and being the one that stood out and, uh, just all my feelings regarding that. So uh, I think that was part of it too, just all wrapped up in the immigrant experience and being able to communicate that. Yeah. You know, if if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear more about that, especially at the you know pivotal age you were when you came here. And it's interesting because I think a lot of Americans think of immigrants as from uh, you know, a different language, a, a very, very different kind of culture. I think when a lot of Americans think of the UK, whether it's England or Scotland, they feel like we have similarities. But clearly, that's still a totally different culture. So what was your experience like when you came here? Yeah, yeah. Same language, you know, I spoke, but people could tell I was different. You know, maybe it was the way I looked. Uh, it was certainly the way I spoke and used mm-hmm. words, you know, yeah. people just perked up right away. Oh, say this, you know, would, my <laughs> classmates would make me say things and, and speak in, uh, you know, a Scottish accent, maybe a line from a movie or something. Mm-hmm. And of course, when Braveheart came out, it just uh, got even worse. <laughs> I was known as Braveheart actually in high school. Oh, and, oh, wow. and, uh, but you know, just always that that daily reminder that I was different, you know, and yeah. uh, and and I had come from a different place and uh, grew up loving soccer, which isn't the dominant sport in America, you know. Yeah. And so just uh, just just being different, you know, um, was interesting to uh, to see how I could relate to people and how they related to me and the problems that would come out of that, but also the the richness as well. Yeah, it is interesting. I've had um, in my marketing company, I've had a lot of clients in Australia, in Canada, and it's the same language, but we have very different colloquialisms. We spell things differently. So as you can imagine, as a fellow writer, you know, conducting um, website copy for a client and, and I'm not quite spelling enrollment the right way or color or, you know, and it's, it's close, but it's definitely different. And uh, those nuances can make all the difference. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, they call it a pond. It's an ocean, but uh-huh. there's the, the and there are many similarities. And and we each each country loves the the culture of the other, but you know it is different. And um, those things come along every now and then to remind you. 
It's funny, I was just interviewing an author in the Highlands um, for the podcast, Marin Glover, and um, we talked about the term hillwalking because, you know, I spent my summer in Scotland this year and I took umbrage with that term because for me, it was very much a rigorous hike. It was not a walk in the hills, but in Scotland, it's really called hillwalking. So um, the experience was very different from what the words were, at least for me. Yeah, yeah. And what an awesome opportunity that was to to be over oh, there. It was fantastic. I, I feel really fortunate. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit um, about sort of the reason for your being here. So we talk a lot about uh, writing and writing careers. I'd love to hear a little bit about your writing career. I know that um, you write a lot of tech. And so tell me about what you do and how you got into this focus and, and this beat. Yeah, well, I like to write things that inform and inspire people. Mm-hmm. I have an innate desire to get to the bottom of things, and that does come out in my writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to help people understand where ideas and issues come from so that we can better attend to them in the present. And for the last five years, I've uh, been filling my mind with technology, um, or, or rather the study of technology mm-hmm. and our interaction with it. I've just seen it become such a such a big part of our lives in the last uh, you know decade and more, mm-hmm. and uh, see how it affects my children and people around me, and I just really wanted to get to the bottom of technology. You know, what did it mean? Uh, what is what is a healthy way to interact with it? Mm-hmm. And uh, I made some awesome discoveries, and I've been uh, enjoying sharing that with people. So I, and I do I do write about education too. I used to be a teacher in the classroom for six years. Mm. Uh, did a lot of uh, tutoring, one on one. You know, as as old as ninety, as a man in his nineties, I was teaching mm. computer skills, oh. but also little kids. You know, helping them to explode the code of of the English language and how to write and all that. And then, of course, citizenship, which has yeah. really become uh, a hot topic and an mm-hmm. important thing to consider in recent years. So. I get excited about all those things. Yeah, it's interesting. My youngest son was in uh, Northern Ontario this summer doing a canoeing trip, and there was absolutely no technology allowed. It just wasn't even possible. And um, he's on his phone all the time. You know, he's always in touch with people. But he was he was even grateful for that break from from the digital world. When he came back, he was right back on it. But um, just being out there in nature sometimes can do a little reset that I think is important. And then we can have some perspective when it comes to technology as well. Yeah, absolutely. Anything we do regularly, uh, in order to really understand the value or the the consequences of that regular thing, we do need to step back from it, you know. And yeah. but how often do we leave our phones at home for the day, or or just take a break from this technology that surrounds us? Not often enough. So, uh, you know, I'm glad that uh, people can sometimes just whether they choose to or not, get that break and just take a few days, you know, and, and just realize that there's more to life than is in that little, little phone that we keep around us, you know? Absolutely. And of course, it's a great gift. And we really are exploring the possibilities and the the connections can be really incredible. I mean, I, I remember in my um, high school reunion a few years ago, you know, we're all in touch on Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever, but seeing everybody in person was just so different. And it felt like we had heard about them, but really seeing them and giving that hug just took it to another level. So it's great to have that balance between the two. Yeah, it really is. And for people, you know, my age, uh, we can remember a time when there wasn't phones, iPhones, uh, smartphones. The younger kids, though, 
you know, can't as much. And so right. we kind of need to guide them into that understanding or give them opportunities to tap into that themselves. So I want to pivot to the raison d'etre for your presence here on the show. You know, I'm a huge fan of Simply Scottish. I um, Once okay. I discovered it, I just couldn't, I couldn't miss an episode. So I'd love to hear what inspired the show and how it's evolved and grown over the years. Yeah, well... Put simply, Simply Scottish uh, has been just uh, such an influential and enjoyable part of my life. And it's really been with me for almost half my lifetime, you know, and in one way or another. It started way back in 1999, so 23 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, It actually came out of a bad thing, and it's a Mm -hmm. funny story. I was speeding one night as a Uh 21-year-old and got a ticket for my troubles. I went before the judge to see if I could get it reduced, and the judge told me I could work it off in community service. So I headed over to my local public radio and television station in South Texas, where we were living, and they allowed me to put in some some hours there. And of course, I was all interested in in that sort of thing anyway, so it was a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. I got talking to the program director there of the public radio station, and he mentioned they had a gap in their programming, Mm -hmm. and we're looking to fill it. So my dad and I had done some on-air TV work for the the television part of it Mm -hmm. and during their fundraising. Mm -hmm. So we pitched the idea of a Scottish radio show to them Uh and they took a chance on us. So Simply Scottish went on the air in South Texas and Northern Mexico because we're so close to the border Wow! in the the fall of 1999. It was a weekly one-hour live show on Wednesday nights coming on right after NPR's All Things Considered. So our listeners were well-primed for interesting and engaging content if they were carrying over from that show. Mm -hmm. Uh, My dad and I co-hosted the program. It was always just something that he and I both did. Mm -hmm. I chose the music and scripted the the variety of features, Mm -hmm. and he would share stories of his life in Scotland and amplify ideas that I was sharing as well. Mm -hmm. And along with our trusty engineer, the controls, you know, we made a good team. I think people like the perspective of two generations and the give and take of our interaction as father and son. And of course, the beautiful Celtic and Scottish music. I mean, you can't go wrong with that stuff. Yeah, yeah. People just love it. So that's kind of how it started. It's kind of funny, but uh, I got the opportunity to to just share my nation in that unique way. And uh, that's Mm. what what got me going. And then um, you carried on many years later. I mean, it's been quite a while now. So how has it grown? How has it evolved over time? Yeah, well, we got lots of positive feedback from listeners. So we began to make plans to expand the show to other areas as we were able. At the Mm -hmm. time, the only other show on NPR stations, at least, that was airing nationally in America was a show called The Thistle and Shamrock. Mm-hmm. And that was done by a lady named Fiona Ritchie. And it was a long running show and mm-hmm. people enjoyed it. And that was really it as far as Celtic uh, programming uh, nationally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had, you know, grand designs of trying to compete with Fiona and put a put another offering out there. <laughs> we didn't quite get national, but uh, at its peak, you know, we were airing um, on stations in Tennessee, West Virginia, North mm-hmm. Carolina, and Ontario, Canada. And of course, I found a way to get it online. So, you know, build a a listenership that way. Overall, 140 weekly episodes Mm -hmm. of the the show as a radio program. Wow. And then when did you take it to podcast status? Yeah, well, my family and I moved to Washington State in 2001. We said goodbye Uh to sunny South Texas. Uh And we decided to uh, continue life in another corner of America. Beautiful corner, the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. So I put the show on hold and I finished college, started a family. Mm -hmm. And 10 years 
after I put it on hold, uh, 2011, mm-hmm. I started it up again as a podcast. Mm. That's when podcasts were really starting to to pick up speed yeah. as a broadcast uh, mechanism. Uh-huh. So at first, I was able to crank out episodes pretty much weekly. You know, it was my baby. But uh-huh. then some real babies came along, my <laughs> second and third daughters. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you can just kind of see if you looked at a graph, you know, how much of my output was affected by that. Yeah. And of course, my dad, um, he had to move in with us full time in 2017 with uh-huh. health issues and things like that. So uh-huh. my output has slowed over the years, but I couldn't let the show die. I, yeah. I just couldn't. I, it, it was something special. Not that I was doing this amazing, uber awesome thing, but mm-hmm. it was a way to tap into the people that also love Scotland, you know, and, yeah. and I just couldn't couldn't let it end. I kept going with it. And in the last couple of years, I've tried to pick it up again, really started to, she, to see the show as, as more of a ministry, mm-hmm. a way to inspire and encourage people in this time of confusion and uncertainty in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm kind of dedicated to to keeping going with it. And you have listeners from really all over the world now, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's what's awesome about a podcast, as you well yeah. know. Yeah. You know, you can just have people tuning in from all corners of the globe. And that that really is what makes it the most special. You know, as podcasters, you know, we don't get paid for this stuff. In fact, right. we have to pay to keep it up. <laughs> right. um, and every time I think, oh, gosh, just let's just give it up. You know, it, it's it's seen its day. Then I get an email, you know, oh, the, I love your show. I just found it, you know, accidentally. And people yeah. and so people will reach out and. And that's really my payment. That's that's what I love most about doing it is just hearing their stories, their connections to Scotland, and them sharing that, you know, and us making a connection together. Yeah. So Yeah, it's really amazing. And you're right about all of that. I've, there've been times I've thought, oh, why do I keep doing this? It's, it is work. I just really love it. And I find it, it, for me, it's an excuse to talk with fascinating people, hear their stories and, and really share what they're doing. And so it just becomes a way of connecting, of building community over great ideas and and also, um, you know, being a little nosy and saying, hey, tell me about your story and your journey and how did you get where you're going and and make that human connection too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, podcasts are, you know, in the millions these days, but it and it does give you a chance to uh to connect directly, you know, and and just take that extra layer away and just be one-on-one if you will, you know, on demand with listeners and yeah. and able to connect. Absolutely. So, all right, let's talk about Scotland. Of course, you know we have to do that. Um and as I had mentioned earlier and I had told you in our in our emails, I spent July in the Highlands writing and hiking and and meeting people in the local literary scene, which was just amazing. One of the best months of my life. And what's interesting is that I have no ancestral ties to Scotland that I know of. I've looked, um, but the place pulls me. And I can't quite place my finger on why. And But I also feel, I know that I'm not alone in this. Like the, it feels like the whole world or much of it has this love affair with Scotland. So I wonder if you see this, and if so, if you have any thoughts about where this comes from. Yeah, absolutely. I've gotten a real sense of the great love and and draw that Scotland has for people. In fact, it's one reason I started a series called Six Degrees of Scotland, you know, Mm -hmm. the the bold uh, and cheeky idea that everything in the world and everybody is connected to Scotland, you know, (laughs) and just exploring that a little bit based on the the scientific theory, you know, uh, six Mm -hmm. degrees of separation. But I've heard from so many listeners who say that the show is helping them connect to Scotland, whether they've been there or not. Mm-hmm. Um, either they've been there before and, and it helps them remember, mm-hmm. um, or 
like I had a, a woman who said she met her husband in the 70s in Edinburgh. Mm. And a recent episode I put out was just filling her mind with places that they had gone. Mm. Um, or it's people who have never been, but just have that pool like you're describing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I remember one uh, one lady, Audra from Kansas, she said, your podcasts make me feel strangely homesick. Ah. Although I've I've never been to Scotland, my DNA must think it's home, she said. Interesting. Um, and so I've had, you know, quite a few messages like that. And, you know, well, what is the draw to Scotland? Well, there's there's multiple reasons. I think the Scots have had an outsized influence on mm-hmm. North America. Mm-hmm. And so historically, they're well remembered for lots of different things. You know, yeah. They're, yeah. they're in the history books in uh, lots of places. Yeah. Um, that keeps it in the popular consciousness, you know. Yeah. Uh, we've even had presidents in America who enjoyed the poetry of Robert Burns and just the the, the literature of Sir Walter Scott and the, mm-hmm. the history that, that comes from the land. And so it just stays in our consciousness. There's also a lot of mystique about Scotland and about mm-hmm. the country mm-hmm. that comes through in the, the myths and legends and the storytelling. Yeah. And that keeps our imagination going, you know. Yeah. Uh, Nessie, you know, does, yeah. does his bit, you know, yeah. to, uh, to just keep things going. But, uh, and of course a little bit of sympathy, you know, for our neighbor, uh, yeah. England, you know, yeah. and just the, the rough time we've had in history uh-huh. at times with them, uh, just helps us feel sorry for the underdog And Scotland very much has been an underdog yeah. at different, uh, points in its, uh, in its time as a nation. So yeah. just all of that combined just kind of really gives it a special place, you know? Yeah, well, I, I've, I'm working on a memoir about uh, my sabbatical in Scotland, and it's really focused on culture and identity and how we derive our, our identity from the land, from the language, from the work we do. And um, and I was really contrasting what it is to be an American with what it is to be a Scot. And, you know, I can say when I look at identity here – we're such a mishmash, you know, like I know I can trace my roots back to many different places, none of which spoke English. And I'm not sure that we really had a collective music or, or, you know, work that we did that is, you know, really born into who we are. Um, All of that is part of the Highlands. Plus you take a look at, you know, how unfortunately the Scots were treated and then of course left for all different places. And so now wherever I go, I notice a Scottish influence. So for example, we live on a road called Scotia, and I never knew that that was one of the ancient terms for Scotland. And of course, I didn't know that Nova Scotia meant New Scotland. And when I was taking my son to that trip in Ontario and driving north to Toronto to drop him off, I kept passing, you know, Culloden Street and Aberdeen Boulevard. And I was like, where am I? Scotland is everywhere. So it is really fun, fascinating to, to trace those roots and see how, um, I guess the Scottish diaspora has really reached around the world. Yeah, even in the heart of South Texas, you know, uh, about 50 miles from the border with Mexico, mm-hmm. you find that Scottish connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to school at the University of um, Texas, um, mm-hmm. the, the southern branch, you know, they called mm-hmm. it Pan American. Mm-hmm. And it was located in a town called Edinburgh, you ah. know, one letter off of Edinburgh. <laughs> yeah. um, and that itself was close to the uh, the county seat, McAllen. Uh-huh. And the county itself was called Cameron County. Oh, my so, gosh. So, you know, even down there, uh, it was amazing, you know. Wow. Wow. So um, tell me, you know, I don't think we've touched on this, but what brought your family to the States originally? 
Yeah, well, my mom and dad always loved to travel, particularly my mother, who spent time in Australia and Germany and elsewhere before she was even married. She got the bug to to get mm-hmm. out of her local area in Scotland and just just travel. Mm-hmm. And so then she grabbed my dad and, and went to all those places after they got married. And uh, and then then I came along and started joining them. We spent summers in Spain and we lived for a time in Germany and Australia, mm-hmm. vacationing in America. So mm-hmm. really, it was only a matter of time before something would draw us to the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, And it happened to be a Fulbright teaching exchange that my mother did in 1987. I saw on your website that that you're connected with Fulbright and I'm guessing it's the same overall organization. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that that sent us uh, switching houses, cars, families, um, not switching families, but (laughs) one family came to our home in Scotland and we spent a year in Minnesota Mm -hmm. and just uh, had that experience of living in America that then encouraged us to come over a few years later. That's so um, we sold our belongings and flew to sunny South Texas. We had heard lots of great stories about, about that area uh-huh. and we came. So, well, do you miss Scotland? I mean, you were quite young when you moved here. So do you miss it or is it now are you sort of straddling the cultures? I am. Yeah. I was 11, you know, and, uh, and so I'm, in terms of years, more American than Scottish, and sure. you know, I'm 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 fine with that in a mm-hmm. numerical you know sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do miss Scotland. It does come in waves. You know, there are seasons where I'm focused entirely on what's happening here, and then there are times where I really want to bring my kids back to Scotland and introduce them. You know, and and I missed my family members and and the time I could have spent with them had I not gone. That's something I came to realize as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great cost to being an immigrant is you don't get to spend life anymore with the people you leave behind. Yeah, and so that that's been hard, but um, yeah. but I, I do think that uh, overall being an immigrant has enriched my life in in a variety of ways. You know, yeah. Um, and I love America too. I've I've yeah. grown to love America in many ways, especially in the last handful of years. You know, just mm-hmm. as as uh, we've had to to really fine tune our reasons for loving uh, what what America is all about and mm-hmm. and uh, defending it in time at times. So yeah, that for sure, yeah. that's for sure. Well, and I wonder too. It's interesting. You kind of opened the door for this question, which I had been wondering anyway. Is how your identity has has maybe become richer by being an expatriate, you know, being away from Scotland, does that help you feel, you know, more protective or, or closer to your roots? Well, I uh, learned pretty quickly to be, to be an ambassador for Scotland. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't really have a choice when you're an immigrant. You mm-hmm. you either leave that all behind and you, and you just make a point of letting people know that you're not that anymore, mm-hmm. or you're open to being that ambassador, you know, and just mm-hmm. helping people understand and get to know your country. So I, you know, I've spent decades just representing Scotland, you know, and and I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, humbled by that. I'm pleased to do that. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, you know, traveling and seeing other parts of the world does give you a, a richer perspective on, on life and humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really blessed that my parents did not put all their money into a fancy home and car and just sitting tight in one place. Yeah. I would rather have taken the traveling around the world because it just enlarges your perspective, you know? And, yeah. and, and now as an immigrant, I get to combine my love and pride for Scotland mm-hmm. with my love and pride for my adopted land, America. So yeah. you really get twice the richness in that, on that score. 
Absolutely. How fortunate. It was interesting when I was in the Highlands, I would just, you know, chance upon people who would say, oh, you sound American. And then they had lots of opinions about our politics. And I was really impressed with how well versed they were about our politics, which I feel has become quite a mess. We won't get into that. But I just feel the past number of years have, have been really ugly. And so I was nervous about what kind of an ambassador I would be as an American overseas. You know, what are they thinking? How are they looking at us? But they had lots of really interesting opinions and perspectives. And and I was really impressed with the level of knowledge, too, because I can't say that I know as much about other nations' political systems as as people seem to know about ours. So um, it was quite interesting. It really was. Yeah. yeah. And then you throw in just their natural friendliness. You know, the yeah. Scots are such a friendly outgoing, down-to-earth bunch that, you know, it wouldn't matter where you were from, Mars, you know, they're they're still going to get to know you as a human being, and you're going to get to make that that human-to-human connection. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you got to do that, and I do miss that. Yeah, it was interesting when my daughter came for the last week and we went, she really wanted to hear live music. And so we were near Inverness and we went um, to a couple of places to to hear, you know, some local live sessions. And there was one artist, uh, Colin McPhail, who was amazingly talented. We just had a blast. And I kept taking videos of his performance and then I would put them on Instagram and I wanted to tag him. So I started following him. Well, he followed me back and I didn't speak to him. I mean, it was a packed place. Everybody was really jamming to his, his beautiful, beautiful music. And um, and now we follow each other on Instagram. And I, I feel a little humbled by that because, you know, he's this great big performer who has a Spotify channel and I'm some person in Detroit, you know, but um, it's really, really cool how open and friendly and approachable the Scots are. And it was, it was just a really special experience. Yeah. You'll need to share uh, Callum's uh, info with me. Perhaps I can play his music on Simply Scottish. Absolutely. You will love him. He's, he's very cool. Yeah. So as our conversation comes to a close, I wonder if you might uh, leave us with some thoughts, some advice that you might offer to aspiring writers or podcasters who might be listening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I do think it's helpful uh, to give yourself as a writer regular reminders of the ways that you can impact people mm-hmm. uh, with your work. Uh, I've mentioned this in your questionnaire you know, I would see friends that I had who were working in trades where they Mm. could produce stuff that people could use in their homes regularly, Mm. or even artwork on the wall that they could see, you know, without tapping into a website. And it it sort of left me wondering, well, gee, you know, is writing and podcasting as important as those everyday, you know, physical, uh, tangible things? Mm -hmm. And uh, so in recent years, I've, I've just realized that yes, we we influence people in different ways than that. It's not yeah. so physical and visceral, but we can influence people mentally and spiritually in profound ways. You know, we can yeah. inspire them to new ideas. We can change their thinking. Mm-hmm. We can give them resolve to make an important decision and give them hope, foster creativity. I mean, you name it. And so just reminding yourself as a writer, as you're getting going or as you're in the thick of it, uh, working towards something that... All of, all of the ways that we can inspire people, you know, yeah. um, as much as a piece of custom furniture that they enjoy sitting in or a piece of artwork on the wall, um, we can influence people in that way. So reminding yourself of that and just not giving up, you know, mm-hmm. because you can make anything with writing, as the mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis quote says, yeah. and because we're in a time of great uncertainty in the world, those are the reasons you shouldn't give up on your quest to write. 
uh, you'll need a sacrifice, you know, a bit less sleep or a bit less watching of your favorite TV shows, mm -hmm. but it's worth it to see your ideas and therefore your intellect, mm -hmm. the, the things that God has given you, uh, given you to think about and to work on. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's humbling. It's beautiful to see those things in print and to see evidence of people reading them and enjoying them and being influenced by them. So don't give up is another thing I would say. And also appreciate those editors that come along. Mm -hmm. uh, in recent years, I've been able to publish on various outlets and I've just had some amazing editors who have come alongside me and, you know, uh, very forgivingly and kindly uh, made allowances for things I may not do as well mm -hmm. and then capture the essence of what I am doing well and put it into a finished package that, uh, that you couldn't do by yourself. So just appreciating editors and learning as much as you can from them when they come along. That's just wonderful. And I'm so glad you brought up the C.S. Lewis quote, because I had a note to mention it, and I didn't. And so I'm glad that you did. But you're absolutely right. You know, on a on a show like Simply Scottish, you're taking people really around the world and introducing them to culture and possibility and history and connection. And so yes, it's wonderful to travel like you've been able to, like I've been able to. But even if we can't, now we have this technology that can really bring us closer together and to experience in little ways and sometimes big ways um, all the beauty that is around the world and and hopefully make our community a little bit closer so absolutely yeah well thank you so much Andrew McDermott I'm so excited to see you and talk with you and I'm really thrilled to have you here on the make meeting podcast well thank you very much for having me Lynn you keep keep up the good work Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world. And please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more at makemeaning.org or lynngaladner.com.